So if anybody was wondering which kid you heard, that was mine. So, <laughs> but hey, if you got a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open to the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 specifically, as we are uh, continuing in week 3 of our series, Daniel. Surprise. Don't need to get creative when, uh, when, when it's a book of the Bible. I, I love that. But, uh, but as you're opening to the book of Daniel, if, if you have my Bible, it's on page 1,123, so feel free to turn there if you want. But uh, uh, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to be picking up in verse 9, uh, but just wanted to give everybody just a quick refresh if you've kind of been in and out of the series, if you just haven't been paying attention to the series, uh, or, or if you've been following along. I want to give you a quick, uh, quick refresh on what we've talked about so far as we lead into what we're going to talk about this morning. But, um, but we got this kid, Daniel. And Daniel finds himself in a pretty precarious situation. See, Daniel's this kid uh, that, for me, if I was growing up, I grew up in the church. I was a private school kid from kindergarten through college, and then I uh, decided to work for the church. And so I've just been basically like private school my whole life. Uh, and, and Daniel's one of those kids. He's, he's one of those guys where he's done everything right in his life. Like, he's done things the right way. He's followed God. He's honored God with his life. And yet he finds himself in this moment at the beginning of this book in a rather precarious situation. Uh, he finds himself now a captive of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Uh, Daniel is, is a captive. He, uh, his community, his country has been overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar began to pull uh, all the young men, all the uh, flu, affluent young men, the good-looking young guys, they began to pull them into captivity. And, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar began, as we talked about last week, he changed the names of the young men in, his, in uh, captivity because uh, Nebuchadnezzar knew that their names were tied to their identity. Uh, in, 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 in um, Israel's culture, your name uh, was a specific tie to who you were, and more importantly, it was a specific tie to who God was. Your name said more about you than we think names do today. Your name actually said something about you. It meant something about you, and Nebuchadnezzar knew that if I can change their name, then I can change their identity. And then uh, it, then, uh, it says, the Bible says that they, became, they started to become acclimated to Babylonian history and culture because Nebuchadnezzar knew that if I can change their names, if I can change these young men's identity, I can take away Israel's future by taking away their young people. I can take away Israel's future by taking away their young people. And Daniel did everything right. He did everything the way that he was supposed to. He stayed away from the wrong types of people. He connected himself with the right groups of people. He did everything. He listened to his parents. He listened to his, his, his elders. He was, he was like the, the, the kid who just got everything right, and yet he still finds himself in captivity in a place he never wanted to be, learning things he was never interested in learning about, having his name changed. And it led me to wonder if he maybe asked this question because I've asked it a time or two. If God's plans are perfect, why don't they work out in my life perfectly? If God's plans are perfect, why don't they work out in my life perfectly? Has anybody ever asked something like that before? Or just me? Is this just going to be me therapy time? Uh, I mean, I think if we've ever kind of bought into the 21st century American version of Christianity and all of a sudden life began to go bad, we've asked this question a time or two. 
Because this is the type of relationship with God that we sell now regrettably in the 21st century American Christianity that if you do everything right, then God's indebted to you to do everything right for you. That if you do everything his way, he'll do everything your way. And the truth of the matter is, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest lies we tell, and we pack out arenas with it. But then life is waiting for us outside the arena doors. And the truth is, if you get into this book, if you get into this book, if you get into the words and into the pages and you get familiar with the people that God used, you will see a cavalcade of people who find themselves in places they never wanted to be, in circumstances that were way over their head, that were beyond their expertise, their, their pay grade, their, their personality type, or whatever. They find themselves in the worst situations of the worst, but it's amazing that it's in those places that's exactly where God wants them. Daniel finds himself at a place like this now. He's in a bad place. Surrounded by bad people. And God says, perfect. Perfect. And what I'm wanting us to catch, what I'm wanting myself to catch through the study of this book is this idea that Daniel's yes to God was not determined by his situation. But his situations were very much determined by his yes. See, before we're even introduced to the person of Daniel, we have to understand that Daniel said yes to God. He didn't say yes to the parts of God that he found convenient or comfortable. He said yes to God, no matter what. And so because Daniel said yes to God, his situations were not, his situations were affected because of his yes. His yes was not affected by his situations. I mean, I can't, I can't even tell you how many times where I have said, God, I am all in for you. I am sold out for you no matter what. And then no matter what comes, and I'm like, but I didn't mean that. Peace, I'm out. I didn't know you were actually listening to me, God, because I was in this huge arena listening to Hillsong United, and we were all singing. I thought I was just one voice in the midst of a billion, and I figured you were listening to Joel Houston more than you were listening to me. You actually listened to what I said and then called me to it. I actually didn't mean it. But uh, what God is continually trying to teach me is that my yes cannot be determined by my situations. But my situations are very much determined by my yes. So that was a long time to get you to the book of Daniel if you have a Bible. So if you're not a Daniel yet, you've just been wasting time. So Daniel chapter 1, we're going to specifically be looking at verse 9 right now. Um, Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, this is what the word of God says. It says, now, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. That's a very weird verse to start off with, but it's very important. Because in the, Daniel is about to do something risky. Daniel's about to do something risky because when King Nebuchadnezzar pulled these young men in, he brought a specific group of people 
to be trained for service in the, in, in, in the kingdom, uh, specific service to the, to the royalty of that time. And, and, and the king said, well, here, I'm going to give you uh, food that's from my table, and I'm going to give you wine that's from my table as well. But we talked about this last week. Daniel had to say no to great things because he said yes to the best thing, and he wasn't going to sacrifice his commitment to God for the convenience of the food that the king was giving them because he understood that the meat and the wine that was being offered had, one, been offered, to God, and it would too, it would, it would put him in a precarious situation of the covenant that his people had made with God of the specific foods that they were going to eat, that they were allowed to eat. The, they didn't, and, and so Daniel is, is saying no because he had said yes, and Daniel's jumping into something risky. He's actually putting himself and his, four, his three friends, how many of you have ever been in a precarious situation because of a friend? <laughs> So Daniel and his three friends find themselves in a precarious situation because Daniel believes that God is strong enough no matter what, where he is, no matter what he's doing, to show up in a big way. And so Daniel says, how about this? How about I don't eat what you're telling me to eat, and I eat what I want instead? It's a gutsy ask. Because there's nothing from keeping this guy from just saying, you ask too many questions, he has every right to kill Daniel in the moment for asking a question. Daniel asked the question. He steps out in faith. And then Daniel 1.9 says, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. The thing that is so profound about this one verse is that you and I have abilities, we have skills, we have talents. We have things that God has specifically given to us, but our life is not simply about what we can do because if we want what we do to matter, then we need the one who's given them to us to intervene in our abilities, in our talents, in our tasks. We need God to move in a specific way, to move them beyond simply just abilities. We need more than our own abilities. We need God more than we need our abilities because God's the one who gave us the abilities in the first place. We can't simply seek the gift. We need to seek the gift giver, and each gift we use for God in response to God is worship, is worship. Uh, I love what uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 23 says. It says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. That the master you are serving is Christ. It's not simply Daniel's ability but it's God's hand working in the midst of his ability. We use this word, it's this intervention. God's intervening on behalf of Daniel through his ability because Daniel is sold out for God. And Daniel understands that God is the source of his ability. He takes full advantage of this because, man, he knows that he's, again, in a precarious situation, at a place he never wanted to be, and a place that he never thought he would be, but now he is because, again, his yes is not determined by his circumstances, but his circumstances are determined by his yes. And so, yes, God, I'm in a difficult situation, but I still think you're strong enough. I still think you're big enough. I still think your plan is working in the midst of these difficulties. And so here's the deal. I'm going to continue to follow you. I'm going to continue to count on you as my source 
And we see Daniel in his life take full advantage of God moving on his behalf. And so here we go. Buckle up. Daniel chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through 21, 11 verses. Here we go. But he responded. This is the, uh, this is the um, chief of staff. The chief of staff responded, I am afraid of my Lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look over Daniel, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men, young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men unusual aptitude and understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning and visions of dream, meanings of visions and dreams when the training period ordered by the king was completed the chief of staff brought all the young men to king nebuchadnezzar the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as daniel hananiah mishael and azariah so they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters of his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the loyal service, in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Daniel takes a risk, and it pays off. Daniel takes a risk. He steps out in faith. He challenges the call of the king. He is going against the king's wishes when it comes to the food, and he trusts that God still moves in profound ways, in profound circumstances. Daniel takes a risk. He steps out in faith, and guess what? God shows up. forces me to ask the question I asked it as I was prepared, studying for this message, but God, there have been those times where I feel like you have led me to step out in faith and you haven't showed up. And my, the, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me very, very sternly. This wasn't like a buddy talk that me and the Holy Spirit had, um, but he said this to me, and I think that someone needs to hear it. He goes, no, I didn't say yes the way, I didn't show up the way you wanted me to, but I showed up. Sometimes I think God's saying yes. Maybe, the, maybe the, how about we do this? Anybody ever had this moment where you think you're hearing God, but God sounds a lot like you in your head? Anybody have those moments? I'm like, dang, God, you sound a lot like me, and I don't like my voice. I don't like my voice on answering machines. I don't like my voice. I don't, I've never listened to a message I've preached. I don't, like, I don't like the sound I'm projecting now because I have to hear. I just don't like my voice. God sounds a lot like me, so there's oftentimes like, I don't like that voice. I ain't listening to that. But how many of you had those moments where he's like, God sounds a lot like me talking to myself in my head? Yeah. I have those, those moments of, I feel like, God, you've said yes to this. And I've stepped out in faith, and you haven't shown up the way that I thought you would, but here's the deal, God always shows up. Uh, sometimes God shows up in, in, in a very, 
a, a very annoying way of sometimes I think he says yes to see if we will and then says no. But that doesn't make sense. Well, sometimes we just need to know who's in charge. Sometimes God says no, but because he sounds a lot like me in my head, I think he says yes. And then I step out in faith, and then God says, all right, you'll learn. But Daniel hears God, and he steps out in faith, and God shows up. And it's so profound that as you read the account of the things that have gone on in Daniel's life up to this point, up through the end of chapter 1, and the things that, that I was so amazed with that in, in the course of Daniel's life, in the course of him being in captivity, in the course of him being in very difficult situations, God shows up in big ways and gives Daniel and his three friends very specific gifts. Very specific gifts, and I want to touch on these because um, I want to speak faith into your circumstances. I want to speak faith into the situations that maybe you're hesitant to step into because you don't know if God will catch you. And here's what God gives Daniel and his friends uh, as they are walking in faith, again, in, in captivity, in Babylon. Names have been changed. History is being relearned. Life is unfair, but yet they still trust God. God gives them gifts. The first one we, talk, we, we hear about is the fact that God gives them wisdom and understanding. I don't know about you, but I could use some of that in my life. I could use some wisdom. I could use some understanding. As, as we read through, the, the, the word knowledge came about, that God gave them uh, knowledge. He gave them academic uh, knowledge of, of the of the understanding of Babylon, of, uh, I think a greater understanding of who God was. They gave, God offered them and gave them and blessed them with academic knowledge. He also blessed them with intelligence. She says a difference between knowledge and intelligence. Knowledge is, is more academic. I think there's a lot of people that I, that I cross paths with that dive into the Bible and want to understand the knowledge of it, but they want it to be more informative than transformational. They want it to be more informative than transformational. They want to have a point in the midst of the argument, but that if you're only reading the Bible for information, you're going to miss the transformational aspects of it. But God gives them knowledge. He also gives them intelligence. I, I kind of refer to this often as just good sense. Like, just good sense. This per, the, God gives Daniel understanding of academics, and he gives him good sense. He gives him just a sense of understanding. Uh, those are phenomenal things that they needed then. They're phenomenal things that we need now. In today's culture, in 2019, man, we need Christians, and we need followers of Christ who have knowledge and intelligence. Because sometimes your intelligence will tell you to keep your mouth shut on the knowledge that you have. Because it's better to hear someone's story than tell them they're wrong before you know anything about them. See, we may have knowledge, but if it's simply informative and we don't allow it to be transformational, then we'll skip by the intelligence where God is saying, shut your mouth. Don't say anything now. Or, you should say that now. Second gift that God gives is this, this special service to the king. Okay, Like, could you imagine what the people who have grown up in Babylon, 
striving their entire lives to be in service to the king, all of a sudden there's these four scrappy kids from Judah who all of a sudden kind of begin to push their, their way to the front of the line and be inspected. Could you imagine what those guys are thinking at this moment? Like, I guarantee you Daniel and his friends are not popular right now. They are not popular right now. Uh, they're not, probably not popular within their own culture. Because, again, if, if, if we don't like what, we, what we're experiencing, then we're going to resist it. We're not going to learn. We're, we're, we're not, we're not going to do what, we, what, what they're asking us to do. We're going to take a stand for this. And then Daniel and his three, three friends, they start to understand. God gives them wisdom. He gives them intelligence. They begin to, begin to move to the front of the line. So I, can, I have this, thing, this uh, theory that Daniel wasn't popular with his people or the Babylonians. But the thing about God's favor is God's favor doesn't play favorites. God's favor doesn't play favorites. God had called Daniel. God had called uh, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. He had called them to a specific purpose. And God's purpose doesn't play favorites, and God's purpose doesn't, doesn't pay attention to the line. Man, if he's called you, he's going to equip you. And if he's equipped you, he's going to send you. And if he sends you, he expects you to do something with this life that he has given you to live. And they find themselves in special service to the king. Verse 19, um, it says, as the king talked with them, all of the young men who have gone through this, this royal training period, it says in verse 19, that no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's servant service. And then I love what the, what the, the, the Bible says later, is that, that he found them, these, these four young men, ten times more capable than all the people who had lived their entire lives trying to get a voice with the king. God shows up and shows off in the life of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They quickly become the voice behind the voice. You know what I mean by that? Like how many of y'all have ever watched football? Anybody, football fans? We're in Minnesota. It's all right. You can be a football fan. Um, so, so I always thought it was very interesting how those coaches wear headsets because when I played football, our coach did not have a headset. Our coach was just loud. And if the coach called out a play, you did it. If it didn't make sense, guess what? You did it because he was the coach. And our coach was really loud. He was Tim. Do you remember Tim? He was so funny. Um, but now coaches wear headsets. And there's these little microphones attached to them. I began to be very confused, very interested when I first started seeing these headsets. Man, what do these headsets mean? And what they're doing is, if you don't know, spoiler alert, I may, may ruin the magic of football for you, but they're actually talking to somebody who's actually making the call. Up sitting in a glass room that's probably a lot warmer than it is on the field right now. There's a guy sitting up there, sipping coffee, eating a hot dog, watching the game. He's the one calling the shots. And he goes down to the coach and tells the coach what he should do. And the coach listens to the voice in the headset. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah quickly become the voice in the headset of the coach. Think about this. These four young men who simply want to honor God with their life begin to speak into the ear of the king who has no interest, no understanding, no desire to know their God. But now the voices in his head are the voices of those who follow God. Think about that. Think about your situation that you're in right now. 
Think about the frustrations of your job. Think about the frustrations of school. Think about the frustrations in a relationship. Think about the frustrations wherever. Man, if we just began to shift our perspective a little bit, and we began to understand that maybe the point of our existence is not that we would maybe get promoted, maybe get all the things that we're hoping to get and acquire out of this specific thing, but maybe, maybe our purpose is simply to be a voice for others to hear in the midst. Maybe we quickly need to understand that maybe we're not the voice, but maybe God's called us to be the voice behind the voice. In ministry, it's very difficult being the number two. I think that I, if I could say, if, if I could shed my humanity a little bit um, and, and show you guys just a little bit of my humanity, I think that's probably a huge reason as to why, a, a pretty significant reason as to why we started this church. I just got really sick of working for people. Like, I knew that God had called us to do this. I knew, I knew that. But, but, but sometimes there gets to be this point in ministry where, like, you don't want to be the associate, you want to be the lead. And you can sit in these, in these seats of frustration and you can listen to somebody else preach. And you can begin to think, well, I could do better than that. Well, they missed that point. They said this. They should have said this. this is what, and it, this is what I would have done. And I think the, the thing that the, the Lord has been moving upon me and, and, and moving me to a point where I have made contact with every pastor I've served under before we started this and apologized for not being a better voice behind their voice. Because when you're the voice, it is very lonely. And you need those people who have your back more than they want your position. And so Daniel's not after the big seat because he understands, God, you've placed me here. And I'm going to listen to you. And as I listen to you, I'm going to speak these things to the king. And as we get into uh, chapters 2 and 3, we're going we're gonna to see Daniel's voice behind the voice flex out a little bit. And it's super fun. It's super interesting. But um, <laughs> um, so Daniel has special service to the king, and the Bible says that God gives Daniel the specific ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. As we dive into chapter 3 next week, we're going to see again Daniel begin to flex that muscle a little bit. But then, uh, but then gift number three, which is, which is I think the goal, whether it's life, whether it's uh, vocational ministry, whether it's... It's, it's, it's simply understanding that our life is ministry, whether we have the term pastor or the, the title pastor, but God gives Daniel successful ministry. God gives Daniel a successful ministry. Like I said, Daniel, he gave Daniel, Hazariah, Mishael, and Azariah, he gave them uh, the ability, the, they, the king found them 10 times, their advice 10 times better. And when your advice is consistently 10 times better because you are trusting in the one whom all advice is birthed out of, man, you can begin to move in some areas and, and move in some ways that, that maybe you hadn't planned on doing. In verse 21, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost as obscure as verse 9, but just as important. And verse 21 said this, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus abstract. You know what I mean? Like what an abstract verse. 
But in Jeremiah 29, I want to I want to encourage you if you if you haven't read Jeremiah 29 specifically yet in your life, I want to encourage you today, man, read Jeremiah 29 because Jeremiah 29 precedes the story of Daniel. And Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29 begins to prophesy uh, Judah's captivity in Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah calls it speaks it to the people, says, guess what? Captivity is coming, and your captivity will be 70 years. And so why is verse 21 so important is that verse 21 marks the beginning of Judah's liberation from captivity in Babylon. And so Daniel holds high position in the service, uh, in the courts of King Nebuchadnezzar, King Belshazzar, King Darius, and then King Cyrus. He holds a position of power, a position of influence, a position of being the voice behind the voice for 70 years. That is what I call successful ministry. See, the things that I'm learning when it comes to ministry, when it comes to uh, pastoring is this. This changes. The presentation the presentation changes, the performance changes, all of that stuff changes. The things that God is, is trying to get me to be more impressed with are the people who have been in it for the long run. And not simply in the long run as to like they've been a pastor a long time, but there's this guy, Mike Smith. I love Mike Smith. Mike Smith pastors in Maplewood. He pastors an amazing church called Redeeming Love Church. Mike Smith has been the lead pastor of one church his entire career. One church, uh, Mike has this guy, Dale, uh, who's been the kids' pastor at Redeeming Love Church, and he's been the kids' pastor of only one church his entire career. He's got this youth pastor, James. James is, obno- is obnoxiously wonderful. Like, James is those, he's the type of person, whenever I'm done meeting with him, I have to reorganize my whole life because I want to be more like James. James volunteered at youth, as a youth pastor at Redeeming Love Church when he was a sophomore in Bible college, conveniently married the pastor's daughter, and has been the youth pastor of only one church for his entire career. James is now well into his 40s. That impresses me. And what they've done is amazing, and that's great, but that's a byproduct. Because when they said yes, they said yes. Daniel remains in ministry, in a community that he didn't belong in, to a group of people who tried to change his identity and change his past and change his future. God gave him incredible favor, and he remained in service to the year of their liberation. He stayed the voice behind the voice for 70 years. Daniel became the epitome of finding favor with both God and man. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Uh, The Gospel of Luke says something very specific and very similar to this. It says even Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom 
and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. As you and I, as we continue to figure out what it looks like to put God first in our lives, we will live our lives with God's favor. We will live our lives with God's favor. And living with God's favor on your life, I really truly believe that that, that is just an invitation to grow in favor with people as well. It's not the favor that we often talk about like, oh, got the front parking spot at the mall, blessed and highly favored. <laughs> oh, someone paid for my coffee this morning, blessed and highly favored. It's not that kind of thing. It's the, it's the kind of life that Daniel lives where he becomes the voice that others don't simply hear but listen to. See, we all talk. I think we're, we're, we're comfortable in this culture saying, yeah, I'm going to talk even if no one's listening, but it matters what you say because it matters what people listen to because eventually someone's going to tune into your voice and what are you saying? Do you have anything to say? Or are you just uncomfortable in the silence of waiting? Living with God's favor on your life gives us the ability to bring change and affect this world in a way that nothing can. We all have the ability in this world to live without God's favor. I've lived that life. It is much better to live with God's favor than to live without God's favor. When we live with God's favor, he places his hand on the abilities that he's given us. He gives our abilities supernatural abilities, and they, be, and they don't be, and, and the understanding when we live with, with God's favor in our life is we understand that our abilities don't begin and end with us because God's desire for your life and for my life is more. The desire that God has for your life and my legacy is more. And if we want to see this more thing happen in our lives, it begins by putting God first. Not just sometimes and not when the situation warrants it, but always placing God first. I had this thought, and I texted it to Nate yesterday just making sure it was on point. And the only constructive criticism was that I put some color into that I probably shouldn't have. But, but here's, what, here's what I was thinking. As I read through the life of Daniel, as I read through what God was, was introducing him to, this, this thought came to my head. And again, I sound a lot like God in my head, so I want to make sure this was right. And, and we, we, can kinda, we concluded that it was. But here's what, here's what I'm learning. Is what you do will never be who you are. But who you are will always affect what you do. What you do will never be who you are. If you are searching for identity and purpose in a title or position, you will not find it. You will get frustrated, which is why you will search for position, for position, for paycheck, for paycheck, for title, from title to title, because you are so desperate for your title, for what you do to give you your identity. But your identity will never be in what you, uh, what you do will never be who you are, but who you are, who God says you are. The name God has given to you, the name, that, the name that you respond to, that God speaks over your life, who you are will always affect what you do because I'm not in this life just for me. 
I'm not in this life for my gain. I'm not in this life so that I can accumulate things and then die and then burden them, with my, burden them onto my children and eventually they get so sick of it that they sell them for 25 cents at a garage sale. That is not what my life is purposed for. My purpose is to put God first always. My purpose is to be a voice that people don't simply hear but listen to. My, vo- my life and my purpose and, my, and God's plan for me and for the things that he has called me to do is to push people and show people that there is a better way of living, that there is a best way of living, and that life comes with knowing and serving Christ. At 35, I wish I would have known that at 21. They tried to tell me, but I didn't listen because I knew better. So here's, here's three questions I have for us this morning as we wrap up. And what we've talked about this morning, what does this say about God? What does it say about God? Question number two is what does this say about me? What is what we've talked about? What is what we've read this morning? What does it say about me? And then question number, number three, and again, I hope this doesn't ruin your lunch, but if it does, fantastic. I hope God has a, a greater plan for ruining your lunch with these questions. Uh, but uh, question number three, how does this lead me to change? Because we cannot be in the presence of God like we have been in today without changing. If we don't change, it's because we're choosing not to. And God has a better plan for your life than you do. And it begins by putting him first. Lord, I thank you so much. God, it's hard to thank you sometimes for sections of scripture like this because they they really just bum me out. Because you continue to reveal my shortcomings. You continue to reveal the areas in my life where I got it wrong. And I just so desperately want you to be like, it's good enough. But God, your plans for my life are greater than that. Your plans for my life have more purpose than that. And so, Lord, my prayer for myself and my prayer for every single person here today is, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, Father, that you would bring us to a grinding halt. And Holy Spirit, you would speak into our situations and we would hear you clearly. And God, if you are not first in our lives, Father, would you give us the strength and the ability and the humility to change? Because, Lord, when you're first in our lives, when our lives are purposed towards serving you, we exist with your favor. And, Lord, we we need your favor. So, God, as we go from this place, help us. Holy Spirit, continue to convict and redirect and repurpose. But, God, thank you so much for meeting with us here today. God, thank you for that time where we just got to lift our voices and sing your praises this morning, God. Thank you so much for that as we open to read the Bible that you opened and you basically read all of us as well. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your love for us. You love us so incredibly well, and we are so grateful. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.